Hello, Agent. Welcome to the Impossible Missions podcast, hosted by Rob Kinea and Kevin Hunt. We're fans of the Mission Impossible movie franchise, and the mission we've chosen to accept is to watch, for the first time, the classic television series that inspired it. As always, should we be caught or killed, the Secretary will disavow any knowledge of our actions. Good evening, Mr. <laughs> Good evening, Mr. Kunea. <laughs> I suppose this is kind of our Halloween special. It is. It's quite close to Halloween, isn't it? It's not going to come out anywhere near Halloween, but we're recording it. Like, no. Well, what are we? Halloween's next Wednesday. It's Thursday now. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, close enough, isn't it? And a great episode. Yeah, completely by chance. It's a kind of... Haunted house. Episode. Yeah, haunted yeah. house. It's basically, well, I think you guessed last week it was like going to be Mission Impossible does Scooby Doo. Yeah, I, and you kind we, of weren't far off. No, I was, nailed it, didn't I? Really? <laughs> I thought it, it was a Twilight Zone influence to it as well. I kind of feel. Yeah, I've got. A, we've only just finished watching it. I've got a million thoughts going around <laughs> in my head as to what I've just seen. It's so. Odd for Mission it's, Impossible, yeah. It's definitely, I don't, it's not typical of the offerings so far, no. really. No, um, no, but it was great fun, yeah. It's really, fun. really fun, yeah, yeah. So, this was season one, episode 11 Zabrovnik's Ghost, aka Something Strange in the Neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and who are you going to call? Dan Briggs. Dan Briggs, yeah. Uh, Dan, Dan the man, he <laughs> lets himself into the office of Dr. Morton Ferguson, MD. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's got the key. Uh, he's also got the combination to a, the safe in the cupboard. Yeah, so he opens up a safe with one of the usual A4 envelopes uh, with a disc inside it and some pictures. The mm. pictures are kind of like blown up on X-ray film. Yeah. They're that kind of size. Mm. Uh, he pops the disc in the player that's on the desk. Um, it was like a weird kind of floppy. It looked like a small vinyl, but it was flexible. And it yeah, I couldn't work out what it actually was. No cool, though. I wasted a he- more time than is probably <laughs> oh, sensible trying to work out what, what was going on with that. I, I found, in the end, the model of player that's on the desk. <laughs> yeah, that it- honestly, <laughs> you're getting incredible. This. It was the Telefunken 707 office model dictating machine. What's it called? The Telefunk? Telefunken. Oh, Telefunken. Uh, made in Germany. I was going to say, it's got to be German, isn't it? Which uh, used a magnetic disc made of flexible plastic. Uh, could be used up to 10,000 times. It had like a spiral groove on the surface to draw the head across the disc. Um, so, yeah, it would have been used for dictating, oh, cool. so I guess it makes it looked, sense. That it looks like a mini-disc player. Do you have mini-discs? It wasn't very mini. It wasn't, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't, actually. It reminded <laughs> me. I, know what I you had mean. a mini-disc player. I loved that machine. Yeah, more like a floppy-disc player. Yeah. In a funny way. Yeah, yeah. Completely pointless information, that, but I had to know what it was. No, it's good. I was going to ask you, but then I thought, there's no way you would have researched into that. And you did. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Dan hits play on the uh, on this dictating machine, and as it's playing, he pops up these headshots that are on the X-ray film. Mm. Good morning, Mr. Briggs. You remember Dr. Martha Richards? Two years ago, while on vacation in Austria, she met and married Dr. Kurt Zabrovnik. She never returned to America, continuing her extremely important research work with her husband in Austria. 
About a year ago, Kurt Sobrovnik was burned to death in a laboratory fire in their home. Martha went on working after her husband's death, but recently stopped sending us the results of her experiments. We have reason to believe that is because this man, Sigmund Polyak, is pressuring her to work behind the Iron Curtain. If it were an ordinary pressure, we could fight it, but Polyak is a medium, and Martha Zabrovnik is being asked to defect by the ghost of her dead husband. Mr Briggs, your mission, should you decide to accept it, would be to keep her from going behind the Iron Curtain and get her working for us again. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the Secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Please dispose of this recording in the usual manner. Which, as usual, is not particularly usual. <laughs> no, he's got those like a little bottle of pink liquid in the safe, and he takes it all over to the sink, like dumps it in on the disc, and it all just explodes into it? smoke. Yeah, I've got to say that has been the best briefing <laughs> I think this show's done so far. It's absolutely crazy. It's like ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> she's being persuaded by one ghost to go to Ru- I assume Russia. Yeah, yeah I guess the Iron so. Curtain. Yeah. Um, Unless there's some literal gigantic iron curtain she's just going to go behind. <laughs> and then they've got to persuade her, I assume, by using another ghost to stay with the Yanks. I mean, that's a good shout, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but absolutely amazing. Um, I said, I think, was it last week, the week before, I was going to look up who the guy who did the voiceovers for the briefings is. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, an actor called Bob Johnson. And he was never credited on the show's, like, credits at the Whatever. end. Ever. But he worked on all seven seasons of the original and <laughs> both seasons of the reboot. The 80s one. The 80s one. Yeah. Um, and the count on IMDb for the number of episodes he features in. So it was 156 for the original show God. and 35 episodes for the uh, the reboot. <laughs> but not is, once credited. That's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> Strange. I wonder why they. I wonder why, considering like Martin Landau was getting a guest starring every week, perhaps, even though he was a regular. Perhaps because Landau yeah. was costing a lot of money, they couldn't afford to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Give Bob. Oh, that's a shame, actually. Bob. Did he do anything else? Um, he did a few like on-screen acting roles, but not many. Um, more voiceover stuff. Mm. I suppose uh, it's an easy job. Yeah. Vo- you know, voicing peculiar creatures in B movies and mm. things like that. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Take man. Bob Tate Johnson. Man, yeah, Bob Johnson, Tate Man. So we're in the apartment for the uh, Impossible Mission Facebook, and Dan pulls out Rollin, Barney, yep, and Ariana Domi, the psychic consultant. The plot thickens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next cut is still in the apartment, but it's a gigantic ghostly head in Dan's fish tank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a voice this going is, yeah. Martha Martha oh, I've expected Batman and Superman to turn up at that point why did you say that name <laughs> Martha <laughs> turns out Dan's fish tank is not haunted no um, it's one of Barney's gadgets he's got a little projector thing what was it black light projector he says yeah waves his hand black in front light or black light black light I guess like UV oh okay right okay yeah um, yeah he waves his hand in front of it and the, the ghost face kind of disappears yeah yeah, it cuts out. Um, Ariana's quite amused by that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> a number of times in this episode, yeah. actually. Weird look on her face. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're all sat around on the couch. Dan gives them their mission. They're going to assume the role of a psychic research team that's anxious to document a valid supernatural event. 
and he can't go with them because, as they said in the briefing, Martha Zabrovnik knows him. Mm. He, go, he goes to um, ask Ariana if she wants a drink, and she just says, white wine and soda, please, before he's finished. Yeah. And we'll share a little chuckle about that. So I guess she is psychic. <laughs> I, I believe she is. By the, by the time we get to the end of this episode, I do think that she is. I don't sound convinced when I say that, but too much happens to, 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 for, it, for her to be a fake. And she's so, she's so insistent on not coming across as a fake throughout yeah. this episode as well. She makes it very clear from the off that she's like, I'm not going to do anything that gives mediums a bad name. Yeah, it doesn't approve um, of like the, you know, the word fake being banded mm. around in the conversation with spiritualists and mediums. Mm, yeah. Dan explains that Dr. Zabrovnik promised his wife that if it was possible for him to come back from the grave, he would, and he seems to be doing it. He gives Rollin the info on Polyak, this um, medium that she's mm. got in her home at the moment. Uh, this is the man through whom Zabrovnik supposedly is speaking. Rollin assumes he's a fake. Barney does too. This is where, as you say, Ariana like sort of tuts and shakes her head. And she's like, mm. I don't, I don't like dishonesty being associated with the supernatural. Yeah, yeah. So Rollin and Dan assume the role of, well, Mulder and Scully in that. They're both, they're both Scully at this point, aren't oh, they? Oh, they're both Scully. Yeah, actually, yeah. Rollin Scully. Yeah. Dana Hand. Bar- Barney asks, why don't we just convince Martha that she's being had? And Dan says, because we don't know the ghost isn't real. Oh, yeah. So Dan is playing Fox Mulder in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Martha, at least, totally believes the ghost is real, and you can't fight that kind of belief with logic. So Barney's like, yeah, fight ghosts with ghosts. Mm. Yeah. Um, Ariana's brought with her a, a tape recording of a seance that she conducted, so Barney fires mm. that up. And she says to Barney and Rollin, why don't you listen through the headphones, because Dan was at the seance. Mm. Stuff Dan gets up to in his spare time is very interesting. Yeah. So the other they two... Still, they, don't go, they don't elaborate on that. Why was he there? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Just his regular Tuesday, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So while the other two got their headphones and are listening to that, Ariana says to Dan, you know the truth about me. Why so much selling and so much loud confidence in me? Hmm. Dan says it's because Ron and Barney are sure that she's as much of a fake as Polyak, but for the sake of the mission, he doesn't want them to be absolutely sure. Hmm. Right, OK. Doesn't make it seem a bit more real? Maybe, to convince Martha. Hmm. And it's at that moment that you hear the buzzing of a bee for the yeah. first time in this episode definitely not the last time and it's, it's a weird moment because Dan looks up as soon as you hear the bee yeah he he's, looks he's up looking up as if, up as if it's the in the room and then we cut to a close up shot of some flowers with a bee buzzing in them yeah but that appears to be in the garden of the, the huge like mansion house yeah that the team are now arriving in in this mm. other country was it Austria or something like that well, they, I didn't pick up where it was actually set but yeah well I think they said that she met Zabrovnik in Austria, so I, I just assume it's there, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Rollin and Barney and Ariana, they're in the field, they're in the car, pull up mm-hmm. outside the front door of this big old house, proper Scooby-Doo mansion, isn't it? Yeah. It, it was a, I'm assuming it was a real house. It looked it, yeah. I mean, the, obviously the external shots were a real house, but I couldn't tell. I think, it's quite good, actually. I couldn't tell what were sets and what... Were yeah, actually were, part of a real were house, pretty good but sets. The other thing it kind yeah. of reminded me of, especially like the living room area where they 
where they do quite a lot of scenes. Uh, it looked like the sort of place that Poirot would gather everybody at the end of an Agatha yeah. Christie to yeah, tell yeah. them what was going on. Um, as they get out of the car, you hear the buzzing bee again, and, and mm. Nolan kind of wafts at it. He's like a bee. Barney says, yeah. bees don't fly at night, which I looked up, and actually some do. Yeah, I, I did when he said that. I said, is, is that true? Um, but yeah, obviously it is. But. Uh, the front door's already open, but there's no one there to greet them. So they, they kind of they head inside, have a little poke around. Everything's quiet until mm. a scared dog jumps out of a corridor. <laughs> Quite a terrifying looking dog. Like, like a German it? Shepherd or an Alsatian, yeah, all, something like all, that. Basically teeth with legs, wasn't it, really? Yeah, poor um, old Barney. He comes out Barney. right in front of Barney barking at him. And he like, pins himself up against the wall in fright. <laughs> I've never seen anyone like flatten themselves so well against the wall before. He looked like a poster of himself. <laughs> Goes two-dimensional straight away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ariana's not bothered, though. She mm. calms the dog down by just sort of talking to it. Yeah. She says to it, we won't hurt you. Barney looks and he's like, we won't hurt him? <laughs> but the dog does calm down and she gives him a little stroke on the head and he disappears off out the front door. Mm. Then uh, a voice calls from the top of the stairs. It's uh, Martha Zabrovnik. <laughs> they introduce themselves to her using their real names. Yeah. Which I thought was weird. It's like they're undercover. But well, I mean, if they're... Because they're, they're, they're supposed to be a group of... What are they? Psychic, psychic, psychics? Supernatural yeah. investigators, something So like I assume that. that she's done some research in them or they've explained who they are or anything, but I suppose this... Obviously, this is the days before you would just be able to Google the people... Um, to make sure they were legit but yeah it just kind of buys it there and then that they are who they are but it's, it was weird that they used their own own names for it because at the very least Rollin Hand is known as the master of disguise <laughs> yeah, he is the yeah the man of a million faces but she, she like, he's like hi I'm Rollin Hand and she just shakes his hand he, and... he keeps his name away like James Bond in that episode <laughs> like the next five or ten minutes every single person he's meeting into he's just jumping in yeah, and he's yeah, like Rollin Hand yeah <laughs> himself <laughs> yeah but it's good that, I mean that that scene was um, that was the first sense of unease I got from watching that episode with the, the dog it's a good jump scare yeah it's but like it was it was weird as well cause it's kind of a dog instead of a cat normally in films and stuff oh, yeah, it's the cat do, yeah. that jumps out yeah. um, like in Alien and, um, oh Jonesy yeah what's the is it one of the lethal weapons where they're diffusing a bomb or something lethal the, weapon free yep <laughs> in the car park <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> get the cat. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was good actually, and because Martha says something along the lines of, the I, thought she, I was thought she I thought she was going to say we don't have a dog or something. Well, she like does. That. The, she says, "How was the trip?" Uh, mm. Ryan says, "All the trip was lovely," until we ran into the dog, mm. and she looks at them and goes, "What dog?" Yeah, and I thought it was just going to be basically. There's no dogs there around. No dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, she says she wonders if it's Wilbur who went wild after her husband died and mm. ran off and hasn't been seen in the house since. Yeah, I think it would have been creepier if they'd been. She'd just been like, "What dog?" <laughs> yeah, that would have been. That would have been better. Surely she would have heard it as well, though, because it was. Oh, it, it was, was really. It was really dog, snarling, it? wasn't it? At this them. is not a chihuahua. It was <laughs> no, a, it's not. Bloody massive. Big old police dog looking. Poor thing. Barney. Barney's literally just peeled himself <laughs> off the wall at this stage. <laughs> uh, so, a fun little fact I found: Martha Zabrovnik is played by an actress called Beatrice Strait, who will actually go on to play a supernatural investigator, Doctor Lesh, in the 1982 movie Poltergeist. No way. Yeah. She's very. Sh- 
strange looking woman. She's got these really bright piercing blue eyes. It's kind of like a school mom kind yeah. of, you know. Mm. Um, I also said she reminded me of the the Margaret Thatcher impersonator in one of the Bond movies. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Is it for your eyes only or something like that? It might end? be. I think it is, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Bond. <laughs> yeah, um, she did, yeah. God. <laughs> I mean, it. I, 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 apart from the regulars, like I'd say the whole cast in this looked like they were spitting image puppets. They were so <laughs> weird. They're definitely like characters, you know, in a yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, they were, yeah. Yeah, another fact about Bar- uh, Beatrice Strait, she won the Best Supporting Actress Oscar uh, for 1976's Network, um, mm. which apparently at only five minutes and two seconds of screen time is the briefest performance to ever win an Oscar. That's pretty good, isn't it? Nice easy day's work for her, isn't it? Yeah. She gets an Oscar out of it. She also played Wonder Woman's mother, Queen Hippolyta, in the Linda Carter Wonder Woman series. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I've seen... I haven't seen Network, but I've seen the other two. I've seen, obviously, the 70s Wonder Woman and... Poltergeist. Poltergeist, but I don't... Spielberg film? He didn't direct it, did he? I think he produced it. Did he write it as well? He may have, he may have wrote it. He's, yeah, he's, he's tied to it. He, he didn't direct it, though. I'm trying to think who directed it. Don't I think know. he couldn't direct it because he was tied into E.T. or something like that. Right, okay. I might, I might be misremembering it. Okay, so Martha takes them upstairs and shows them to their rooms. Uh, and this is where they encounter old uh, Polyak, the medium, mm. and his assistant, Mr. Kroger, who's a sort of stocky <laughs> little guy whose suit doesn't quite fit him, and he's got a like, really thick scar running down across his arm. Yeah, right down the face, very blow-filled. Like, yeah, um, he's kind of just got back from trying to beat up James Bond on a train or something like that. Yeah, he, look, yeah, he looks... Yeah, apart from uh, the, the, the quite like, disadvantage he's got for his height, but he'd be quite a formidable opponent, wouldn't he, really? Yeah. I didn't get their full name, so I wrote, I wrote one character as Kroger Scarface and the other guy as Sigmund Browman because he's got like the biggest eyebrows, yeah, his I've eyebrows ever seen. Oh, bananas. Yeah. I think Literally, might, he's I, just painted them black. <laughs> I think they might be haunted. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So Polyak's not super pleased that these sceptics are in the building, but Rollins sort of plays it up and says, oh, we'd much prefer to find proof of the supernatural. Mm. He wants to believe. Like, yeah. Like Fox Mulder. I like this. There's, Rollins tends to be the main character now in this. Yeah. He's the most regular... I think he's been on every single mission that we've done so far. Pretty sure he has. Yeah, he has, isn't he? I think he's the only character that's done all of them in it. I can't think of one that he wasn't in, so yeah. No. Um, Who are we missing this time? Cinnamon and... Uh, Dan. Dan and Willie. And Willie, yeah. Oh, yeah, Willie as well. I forgot about Willie. But yeah, Dan... It's, it's weird because... Dan's doing less and less missions now, but I think that's to do with what you may have said before in one of the earlier podcasts about scheduling was difficult. The actor, rather yeah. than the character, just not being part of it really. But it's a shame he he, he would have been good in this episode. He'd been mad, <laughs> yeah, because he never knowingly would underplay anything. Like. No, he wouldn't. Oh man, I would have loved to see him. Uh, just the opportunity of him being possessed in this episode. Can you imagine? <laughs> so, yeah, Martha points out their rooms to them and asks if they would mind joining them in an hour, her Polyak and her husband. Mm. And as the team share a look, the bees are back, buzzing. <laughs> yeah. And we cut to a close-up shot of bees buzzing in some yellow flowers, mm. which appear to be the flowers that a little bit later... Ariana is looking out of the window of the living room Mm. and there's some yellow flowers outside. Yeah. So she seems to be watching the bees in the flowers. 
thunders and lightning starts to kick off at this point, just to set the mood a little <laughs> bit more. Barney's putting various bits of electronic equipment around the room. So he says to Polyak that these are cameras with alarms, clocks to record when they're tripped, electric eyes to trip the camera, and heat sensors to record any ghostly movement. <laughs> uh, Martha arrives with like a box, a casket, she's all carrying in her hands mm. uh, and also some thunder arrives with her <laughs> she says this casket has been locked since my husband put a message in it just after we were married he said that if anything should happen to him he would try to come back to me tonight is the anniversary of his death not another soul knows what is in this box but me and Rollin comments that this is like the message that Houdini left for Dunninger hmm they didn't and really I go thought, into more detail about that, though, so... Good news is, I'm about to. <laughs> yeah, man, you do not disappoint. I liked it. it was a nice little note because Rollin is a magician, isn't he? He is, yeah. So he would know oh, yeah, about he would stuff know that. to yeah, do yeah. with Houdini and whatnot. So I found an obituary for, who I assume they're talking about, Joseph Dunninger. Okay. Um, and I thought the obituary, this was like from, I think, the New York Times, something like that, 10th who, of who March. Who is Joseph 1975, um, and this kind of explains who he was better than half the okay. websites that I looked at. So, okay. so they say, Joseph Dunninger, who mystified millions as a magician and mind reader for more than half a century, died yesterday of Parkinson's disease at his home. He was 82 years old. Mr Dunninger performed his first tricks while still in grade school. Eventually he became so widely known that he was invited to the White House to perform for six presidents. Presumably yeah. not all at once. Not in the same room, yeah. <laughs> well, that's was, the trick. Was it the ghosts of dead presidents? <laughs> that's just money, isn't it? Dead presidents. Fundamentally, he once said, I am the last of the great name magicians and promoted himself as a mentalist, a demonstrator of telepathic communication. But as a foe of spiritualistic mediums, he always insisted that any trick that any one of them has ever done, I can naturally duplicate. His stress was on the word naturally. Whether on tour or stage, private parties or banquets, radio or television, Mr. Dunninger frequently offered $10,000 to any medium to produce by psychic or supernatural means any physical phenomenon that could not be duplicated by trickery or explained away naturally or scientifically. Hmm. One of his favourite demands of mediums was to challenge them to disclose the translation of coded messages entrusted to him by Harry Houdini, the famed escape artist, and Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of Sherlock Holmes, before their deaths. He had no takers. So I guess this is the message right, that okay. they're talking about. Well, so they gave him a coded message that he couldn't... That he had never seen. Right, it was okay. in a sealed envelope. Oh, okay, right. He carried right. it around with him in case anyone ever went to him. I'm a medium, he must yeah. I will prove it. Tell me what's right, in this okay, envelope. Right, okay, right. So I guess that's what they're saying. No one had ever told him what was in this envelope. That's interesting. I guess that's what Rollin was referring to. Hmm. Um, he sounds he sounds like he was a, a proper character. Before his 10th birthday, he'd mastered a host of card tricks and frequently astounded his grade school friends with them and with his thought reading of the correct answers in class. <laughs> Adept at sleight of hand and illusions by the age of 16, he went to work for a year at the Old Eden Museum on West 23rd Street. By 20, he was a headliner in vaudeville. By 1930, he was said to be earning between $25,000 and $35,000 a year. Cool. Billing himself as the mastermind of mental mystery, Mr. Dunninger started a nationwide show in 1943. The last of his amazing Dunninger shows were carried on television station WPIX in 1967 and 68. So 
he would have been in the minds of people just generally. They'd have known mm. him because he was on telly and on radio all the time. Apparently yeah, he used to yeah. do like radio shows where people would call in and he'd try and read their minds and things like that. Did, did he, could he do it? Or oh, well, I've never heard of him. That's the question. I've heard of Harry it? Houdini. I mean, obviously everyone's heard of him, but yeah, that's. I wonder if any did. Did anyone ever successfully say what was in those envelopes? No, no. Oh, that's interesting. There seemed to be some disagreement on the point whether he actually was friends with Houdini or not. He always claimed that he had been, and there was there was some corroboration of that. But then I also found it was a kind of report on divorce proceedings with him and his wife in the forties, where she was basically just saying he never knew Houdini. He's a, he's a fake blah 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 but she might have been doing that to kind of you know dirty his name though possibly she, so. yeah possibly um, but yeah definitely a character you can find on YouTube if you look him up Joseph Dunninger there's a few clips from uh, a couple of his television programmes oh is it uh, one of them is quite fun it's like a four and a half minute five minute clip um, where he explains how a few um, like mediums or psychics tricks work oh okay like yeah. how they would find out who your grandmother was and, uh, yeah, and things yeah. like that um, so that's quite interesting uh, he was a bit of a character and interestingly once I saw a picture of him I thought I'm about to show Kev a picture of Mr Dunninger okay. tell me who you think he reminds you of in this episode eyebrow man yep I think Polyak was, was modelled on, on Dunninger oh yeah it's, it's so similar that's it's got, it's got weird. to be yeah that's not how I pictured him looking. No, I mean, I suppose... I imagine is... him looking a bit more like Doctor Strange. <laughs> this is later in life. Uh... Yeah, yeah. That That is too... That's too it's spooky. Too, Obviously, you the... guys can't see what I can see, but if you go- put it on the Google Facebook him... And... Thing, yeah. Actually, yeah, put it on there, yeah. But he's yeah, he's got the same um, kind of receding hairline, same suit. Even the same expression on his face. He's like... And his eyebrows are quite, you know... Prominent. Prin- prominent yeah, yeah. yeah. Dressed, dressed kind of the same and... How strange. Wow. I half expected this episode was written by, um, what's the writing team, Woodfield and Bolter, because Woodfield mm. was the, the kind of self-trained magician. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it wasn't. It was written by someone else. And oh, okay. I guess at that time, mm. they, it was all just fresh in the mind, maybe. Yeah. Right, so that's Dunninger. Back in the living room of this house, they all mm. sit around a circular table. Uh, they get quite, It's like I've got a glass top. They get, the director mm. gets quite a lot of use out of this because he shoots he does, actually, from yeah. underneath up through it to yeah, see the shoots actors. The, the and, reflection yeah, of the characters from, so you're kind of looking up at them. But yeah, yeah. It's lots so, of spooky angles. Making good mm. use of quite a simple set, really, I thought. Yeah, was quite it is actually. Because they spend a lot of time in that room as well. Um, and they kind the of douse, douse the lights a bit and the thunder and lightning still carrying on outside. So yeah. it's, it's all uh, atmospheric. The, at- the atmosphere in this episode is incredible. Um, they really do ratchet up the tension it's, it's uns- throughout it. And unsettling, yeah. There's some really unsettling <laughs> scenes that are coming up, which I was really uncomfortable watching them because I, I I like anything like that. Like I, I'm not a massive horror fan, but I love supernatural horror. Mm. So I don't like uh, like the slasher films and things like that. But if there's if I I adore sort of ghost stories, and this was done really well. And it did, considering, you know, how old the show is, this must have been terrifying when it was aired. Yeah. And I think these were going out 
on like Saturday night or something like that. You know, like early evening. Yeah. Not like early, early evening, but maybe no, no. seven but it's, o'clock it's, sort of time. It's, it's sure, a, but I'd say it's a family show because there's no, there's no so, real yeah. violence in it or anything. And um, I mean, my mum tells me that she remembers watching it when she was a kid. Hmm. So yeah, it must have been on at the sort of time. Yeah, I imagine that would have kept quite a few people up at night, especially kids if they were watching it. It's going to keep me up tonight. <laughs> Mainly from Sigmund Browman. Yeah, all the sound of bees. All the sound of bees, yeah. So they, they set themselves up in the sort of typical seance, they all, you know, circle mm. around the table, everyone has to hold hands, so Polyak's leading this yeah, seance. Yeah. Um, what he says, everyone's left foot must touch the foot of the person sat next. I was going to mention that. I've never heard of that before. So they're kind of creating um, a psychic circuit. Who knows? Yeah. Have you ever done anything like that before? Well, we did that ghost hunt for your brother's stag do, didn't we? Yeah. Did you? Were you in it when they did the Ouija board thing? Yeah. The Ouija board. You went in there on that bit. I didn't go in on that because I was like, I'm drawing the line. Sorry, we uh, we've gone off on a tangent. We were so. It was Alton Towers, wasn't it? The theme park. Um, yeah. It was we, for my brother's stag do. It was a ghost hunt overnight. So yeah. we'd, by that point, because we'd gone to the theme park in the day, yeah. we, we were all so tired that they could have yeah. told us anything and I probably would have believed it yeah, at that yeah. point. And then we, we sort of came back into the theme park after it had closed. Because so there's the ruins of an old kind of manor house in the middle, isn't there? I suppose that was Orton Towers. I guess, yeah. Um, and they've built the theme park around it, if anyone's not been there. Um, there it's bit, a brilliant theme park. There were bits where like the walls had gone and the floor had fallen through, but then yeah. there was also these old spooky... Halls, you know, really high vaulted yeah. halls and things and like that. And there's no, I mean, we spent the whole night in that. With that, our little torches. Those torches, <laughs> you know, bloody torches. But there was no electricity, no heating. No. So it was, it was a cold night. They did a Ouija board at one point in there, didn't they? And I was like, I drew the line in it. So me and one of the other guys sat just outside in a long corridor while you guys were doing, communicating with, I think it was a girl or something, was yeah, it? Yeah, something like that. And um, I remember, I remember looking down the corridor because I was like flicking my torch on, flicking it off, just sitting down. It was, it was pitch black, corridor. wasn't it? Beyond yeah. the torch beams, just pitch black. Yeah, because they, they'd, they'd shut down all of the power in the theme park, and a theme park at night is pretty spooky on its own anyway. Because all you can see, the kind of, is the, like the, the twisted structures of the the roller coaster. Yeah, the bones of some weird yeah. alien creature. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I looked down the other end and. I think it was yeah, it was Wayne. Um, he he was sitting down the other end, and it looked as though he'd just like passed out, or he was just he wasn't moving. And I was like, Wayne, Wayne. I was like, oh my god, what's the matter with him? So I was like, slowly. Bear in mind, you guys are doing a bloody Ouija board in one of the little rooms. I had my torch like trained on him, and I was like, and his head was down. He was just sitting there against a stone wall, looking down at his knees where he was like sitting I was like Wayne Wayne and uh, my heart was like pounding in my chest and I could I could hear it you know like hear my heartbeat as, as I got closer he sort of like jumped up right scared the hell out of me he'd fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> and then of course oh. there was one of the group who'd brought the scream mask with him yeah naming no names naming no names Nick yeah. Anyway, that was a good night. Actually, it was good fun. That was brilliant. We, I'd, I, I'd like. I'd do one again. Actually, we didn't see any spirits. We didn't know. No. Um, but sorry, yeah, we've kind of gone off on a tangent there. But that was. Um, but yeah. Anyway, seance. <laughs> Polyak sees spirits though. He's putting on his 
He's, he's kind of psychic mummery, isn't he? Way wafting his head around, talking <laughs> Yeah. And he's calling out, he says, My control is named Dudois. He was an Alsatian pugilist, not a dog, who was killed in the boxing ring. I will try to reach him, he says. <laughs> Does more psychic, faffing around, squirming, whatever. Barney and Rollin <laughs> don't look... Share some looks, yeah. yeah. They don't look particularly impressed at this point. Polyak kind of slumps over and starts to speak in a different voice. Yeah. Was like, he dubbed? It, I think so, It yeah. didn't look, because he was doing this weird thing, like, with his tongue. Yeah, he was moving his tongue kind of in his open mouth. Yeah, um, like up and down a little bit inside his mouth. As if he was throwing his voice, that kind yeah. of idea, like a ventriloquist. But then the voice wasn't going with... I'm pretty sure he was dubbed. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so it's supposedly the voice of Dudois, I think was the name of his spirit. Um, he sounded... More like, have you ever seen The Princess Bride? He sounded more like Andre the Giant playing Fezzik in that. <laughs> I often expect him to go, anybody want a peanut? <laughs> but once I heard it, I couldn't unhear it. So every time he was being like possessed, I was like, oh my God, I can just, I can just hear Fezzik in my mind. <laughs> Eventually, after some convincing, the spirit supposedly has a message from Martha, from Kurt, which says, her work must move quickly to its conclusion. And when she is finished... Kurt will come to her himself. Then it gives the combination for the the lock on the casket thing that she mm. she brought out because that's sitting in oh, the yeah. table, yeah. Uh, in the middle of the table, and says, "Death, not life, is the overture to eternity." And then, with a crash of thunder and lightning, Polyak collapses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Martha though recognizes this phrase and says, "No one else could have known the combination or the message." Open the box quickly, she says to Barney. Mm. Uh, so Barney does. There's an envelope inside. He splits open the envelope and written on the bit of paper is death, not life. It's the overture to eternity. Mm. And the camera kind of does a close-up shot of the big painting portrait of oh, Kurt yeah. Zubrovnik on the wall. And Martha just says, there is life after death. At which point those bees start up again outside the they window, do, yeah. buzzing away. And a flash of lightning illuminates. There's like, I don't know, a couple of dozen just crawling on the window pane. Mm, yeah. Which Ariana notices quite obviously. She's like, Yeah. Mm, bees. Yeah, yeah. Mm, bees. Bees. <laughs> I, I never would have guessed the whole bee. Yeah, the bees thing keep until they up. Until they unveil the, the purpose behind them. I mean, obviously, there is a purpose behind them because they've, they've shown the bees at least half a dozen times by now. Yeah. Um, I hope they're paying them well. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when they turn up later. <laughs> it's kind of cool. The, the buzzing of the bees gets louder and louder and louder until mm. we just cut to the ad break. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite fun. Mm. Going back to Houdini and Dunninger, when I was trying to work out which Dunninger they were talking about in relation to Houdini, obviously I was looking at pages about Houdini. Mm. Um, and the story of what happened after his death... Houdini's. Houdini's death. Sounded very similar to this setup, this idea of a husband leaving a message for his wife. Did he? After death, yeah. Yeah, because I don't know much about... Did Houdini die during a trick, or was he...? Not during a trick. So, he he died on Halloween. Did he? Yeah. Oh, spookier. That showman. Uh, Yeah. 31st of October, 1926. He died of peritonitis, secondary to a ruptured appendix. So the story you hear is that he was he was laid up with a like a busted ankle or something, right? And was visited by some medical students, 
who were kind of intrigued by him. And mm. this, they wanted to test his... Because he always claimed he could take a punch and things without mm. feeling any pain. So yeah, this yeah. med student, he's laid out on a sofa. Started decking or, him. <laughs> well, basically, yeah, he's laid out on a sofa or something, you know, with his foot up because it's busted. And I think he invited the student to do it. Okay. So he punches him a few times in the stomach. Right. And after a few punches, Houdini sort of stops him suddenly. You know, he's obviously in pain. Yeah. And he says, oh, I, you know, I wasn't prepared for the punches or anything like right, that. Right, okay. But he, he continued to have pain and fever, but kind of ignored it uh, until he eventually collapsed and they discovered he had a ruptured appendix. They From the, the punch? Well, the insurance company apparently in the end ruled that the punch had caused it, although people are a bit dubious about it. There's, mm. Apparently there's no medical data that links abdominal trauma to appendiceal ruptures. Right, OK. Um, it's possible he already had appendicitis, mm. and this just being whacked around the stomach... A, yeah, did caused it, yeah. yeah. But anyway, because he basically didn't go and seek treatment, by the time he did, he'd become septic, and eventually that's what killed him. Hmm. Prior to that, though, in sort of the 1920s, he'd made it his mission to debunk psychics and mediums. Hmm. He believed that they were preying on like bereaved families to right, make money. Because okay. um, if you think about it, you know, the 1920s, straight after the First World War, millions oh, of gosh, people yeah, died. Bit, yeah, you know, yeah. So there's... It's kind of rich field to plough if you're mm. looking for people who want to talk to their dead loved ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he was kind of offended that a lot of the techniques that they used to fake things like you know, ectoplasm and tables levitating and stuff like that right. were the kind of illusions and tricks that he trained in as a magician. Mm. So okay. He, you know, he was annoyed that that was... So he could use that same training to expose these frauds because he knew how they were doing it. Mm. Okay. Um, he was part of the Scientific American Magazine's committee that offered a cash prize to any medium who could successfully demonstrate supernatural abilities. Uh, again, this was a prize that was never collected because <laughs> no one managed to display it. Mm, funny beyond that. <laughs> doubt. He exposed quite a number of different mediums and became quite famous as a ghostbuster. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this inspired a lot of other magicians of the time and to this day to follow in his footsteps, mm. uh, including... Mr. Dunninger, that right. we mentioned earlier. Okay. He published a book, Houdini, uh, about his exploits, busting these pretend psychics, <laughs> uh, called A Magician Among the Spirits. All of this came at a cost of his friendship with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh. Creative shortcomings. Mm. Um, he, who, was a, he was a strong believer in the... In his later years, yeah, he yeah. came to be a, a believer in spiritualism. Mm. Um, he refused to believe any of Houdini's exposés. Uh, mm. And in fact, Doyle believed that Houdini was himself a powerful medium, using his own abilities to block those of the other mediums that he was debunking. It, it's weird for me to think that the, the mind, the same man who created the kind of logical, deductive yeah. character of Sherlock Holmes yeah, would end up being so strangely illogical. Yeah, with that. But I guess writers, well, are, say, writers are not the things that they create, are they really? So No, no, I suppose. No, they're not, are they? But strange, isn't it? It's funny you mentioned that Arthur Conan Doyle was into that in his later years, almost as if there was a reason. I mean, there's obviously a reason why you would... Mm. I suppose as you get older, you maybe start yeah. to think... He lost hope. someone. Maybe and... there's life after death. Yeah. yeah. I, remember the, I can't remember all the facts of it, but he got tricked by some... 
pranked. It was to do with photographs of fairies, wasn't it? It was two young oh, Scottish girls, women. The, the girls in the garden. They they went for weirdly enough. They they were on the. Didn't they get sold recently for quite oh, a lot of money? Um, they I didn't self-destruct weirdly... like that Banksy painting. No, no. <laughs> but no, that was um. The, I, I, weird, it's weird you say that because I was reading something in the news about it over the last week or so about the girls of the fairy photo because mm. I think that the original photos went for sale on auction for quite a lot of money yeah. and I didn't realise the girls that did that photo because they obviously they came out and said that it was real and then years and years later then they said actually we they, they, were, they were literally cut out images from a magazine and they posed of them but they also did uh, like I think they were goblins or elves or something like that like they're, they're, if you google them you'll be able to find them but they also did photos of those as well at the same time mm. but for some reason people just tend to know the fairies the fairy. but not the other photos probably because Conan Doyle was involved you know yeah because he yeah he he thought he, they were real yeah, he, didn't he he looked you looked at them and endorsed them quite yeah. publicly as yeah. real yeah mm. Houdini would have been like no what are you talking about Arthur uh. It's funny, isn't it, that things like... I mean, it's obviously a sign of the times. I mean, if a photo like that came out now, people would be like, no one would believe it. But then you could say the same about the you know, uh, the, the, the radio broadcast of War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah, Orson Welles is... When oh. that was put on the radio and people didn't realise they were listening to an actual well, I mean, play. This day and age, people will believe anything you put on Twitter, so maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah, they, maybe would they would believe, actually, Some people yeah, would yeah. believe it. Yeah. I'd have anything like that, though, like the whole... Yeah. Yeah, I find that really interesting, those sort of stories. But yeah, sorry, go on, carry on. We come now to the bit of it that reminded me of the plot of this. Mm. So before he died, Houdini agreed with his wife, Bess, that if it was possible to communicate from beyond the grave, he would, in a secret code they had used in their early days of their careers, uh, when they'd performed like a telepathy act on stage together. Okay. In that, they'd used carefully selected words that could be slipped into their just on-stage conversations, which represented eventually letters in the alphabet, so they could communicate without the crowd knowing or right, picking okay. up on it. Um, so, for ten years after his death, on Halloween, Bess would hold a seance to try and reach Harry, all of it unsuccessfully. But in January 1929, so what's that, three years after his death, a man named Arthur Ford came forward claiming to have received a message from Houdini. He and his cronies came to, their, came to her house uh, and delivered the message, which was, Rosabel, answer, tell, pray, answer, look, tell, answer, answer, tell. And Bess, stunned, believed Ford. This was the coded message that she'd been waiting for, Rosabelle referred to a song that she and Houdini had performed in one of their first shows together, uh, the lyrics of which are, Rosabelle, sweet Rosabelle, I love you more than I can tell. Over me you cast a spell, I love you, my sweet Rosabelle. And the seemingly random words after Rosabelle were in fact words from their secret code, which translate to believe. No! So the code was ten words, each correlating to a number, one to ten. Right. Uh, and those 1 to 10 in turn indicated a letter of the alphabet. So, for example, answer equaled 2, which would be B. Right. Tell equals 5, which would be E. And then for, let uh, for letters later in the alphabet, you would use two code words in combination. So, where he said pray answer, so that was 1 and 2. Put them next to each other, you've got 12, which equals the letter L. Oh, my God. 
God, oh my God. This is like, you don't ruin um, in Old Man Out. Yeah. Cinnamon and... I was going to mention it reminds me of that Dan when they're doing, doing that they're doing it there, aren't they? Yeah. I guess the thing Even is, when she sees him in the prison, they're still doing that conversation with each other. These code words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, same That's kind of idea. eerie, that is. So, Bess puts out a statement saying that she believed that this was the real thing. Shortly after, our friend Joseph Dunninger supposedly visits her to say that he believed this whole thing was a fake. Right. The supposedly secret code had actually been published the year before in a book, Houdini, His Life Story, which was written using notes provided by Bess herself. And also, apparently, it was no great secret that the words of the song Rosabelle were engraved on the inside of the wedding ring that Houdini had given her. Right, okay. So, oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. Bess uh, later retracted the statement she'd made. Right. Um, she held the Halloween seances until 1936. Right. And when she finally gave up, um, saying, Ten years is long enough to wait for any man. <laughs> oh, that's quite sad, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so that. That's terrible so that between, they would do something like that to her, though. Well, there was. I think there was. She'd offered, again, a cash reward. Right, okay. So you're going to encourage people like that, aren't you? Motivated to find a way. Mm. Um, Also, it seems because he spent so much energy exposing so many fake mediums that the second he was dead, they all sprung out of the woodwork claiming that they had spoken to the ghost of Harry Houdini (laughs) and just seeing me out of spite. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that whole thing, the message left behind that only she would know is very much... Yeah, it's quite similar to this, isn't it? Yeah. So we come back from the ad break and... They're all sitting around in this living room area. Mm. Barney and Rollin are making an act of being quite impressed with Polyak. Um, Ariana says, you know, she's quite, she's kind of funny. She reminds me of the actress um, Louise Fletcher. Who's that? She was the nurse in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I think. Oh, Nurse Ratchet. That's it. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, you know, her voice is quite yeah. similar to that. Oh, she yeah, also, I see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kai Wynn in... Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It's not her playing this part. Right, okay. I can't remember who is, but she's very similar to that mm. actress. Quite kind of like calm, monotone mm. kind of voice. She's always smiling and... Yeah, there's... Until a little bit later. Yeah, there's <laughs> something... It's a bit she reminds me of... Um... Oh, God, I'm going to forget her name now, but one of the uh, teachers in the Harry Potter films... In the books, uh, Professor Umbridge is it Dolores Umbridge? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a little bit like her with the way she dressed, and yeah. she's always got this smile, but you kind of think there's something behind that smile I don't quite like, and <laughs> something supernatural, something maybe. supernatural, <laughs> yeah. Um, she reminded me of her a little bit, yeah. So, Ariana says, uh, that she has no doubt that there is a spirit in the house, which does make Ron and Barney <laughs> share a bit of a look, <laughs> yeah. Polyak escorts Martha up to her room as if she's going to get lost. Mm, yeah. And the team talk about what's been happening. Barney says, you know, this box couldn't have been tampered with. You could see that. The rust on the hinges was all real. The paper inside was yellowed with age and mm. the envelope was still sealed. Yeah. Ariana will only say that maybe Polyak's ghost voice was a little bit obvious. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, one of the alarms on the cameras starts to buzz. Uh, Martha and Polyak run back into the room and Wilbur the dog is up at the window just snarling and foaming at the mouth and barking. Mm. Thunder and lightning roars and and the portrait of Kurt falls off the wall. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So like all the cliches are happening in this room in one time. Wilbur the dog sort of looks at the lightning and runs off into the the grounds, I guess. 
Martha's like, it's a sign that Kurt's angry with me. Mm. And Barney's like, I think the thunder just shook the yeah. wall. <laughs> <laughs> so Martha runs off and Polyak follows her again. Ariana says to Barney and Rollin that she wasn't lying when she told that Polyak that there was a ghost in the house. Uh, but while Martha believes it to be a friendly one, like Casper, mm. yeah. <laughs> Ariana says it's definitely malevolent. <laughs> Spirits don't usually move about. They remain where their death occurred. So this would be the laboratory where Kurt burned to death. Mm. So the three of them leave to try and find the lab. Yep. As the bees buzz at the window again. <laughs> uh, Rollin picks the lab door, lets them in. And they leave the light off so that he can turn on an atmospheric Bunsen burner just to yeah. give the room a that spooky That lights look. up the entire room <laughs> like it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So this is where Ariana does her kind of medium act. She walks around the room, explaining that her control is a 16-year-old girl called Frances who died mm. in 1900. Yeah. It's all very cheerful, this, isn't it? Mm. Um, so she's like pacing around the room, calling out to her for what seems like hours. Yeah, because she kind of takes a slow walk up. This is not a quick up. scene at all. It's not, no. And I was, think, I was thinking that just even before the event happens in this scene, she, she takes an extremely slow walk up to the window. Because I was, I, was, I was really paying attention on this scene and thinking something I'm going to see something in this like you might see a quick flash of an image of the girl or something like that mm. you don't see anything like that so she walks over to the window and then she takes a really slow walk all the way back to where Rollin and Barney are is that where that really cool shot of Rollin was oh yeah through kind of through the lab bench because there's like there's all the usual laboratory stuff mm. in there glass beakers whatnot and this yeah. Bunsen burner burning on the desk and you can see Rollin's face kind of over the flame behind yeah. it so his face is kind of flickering in the, yeah. in the firelight. It's quite, yeah, quite it's atmospheric. Nice... It's, it's a very well-framed shot. Yeah. Really good. Like, you know, where everyone is on their mark and that. But yeah, and she, then... Uh... Like, like a badly tuned radio, Ariana kind of gets the <laughs> gets the connection with her spirit who takes her over for a second. Yeah. Who, then, who seems to be frightened and then disappears. Mm. And Ariana's like, please come back. And at that point, she's got her back to the camera. Suddenly... <laughs> She yeah. spins round as the camera crash zooms in on her face. Yeah. And she screams. Yeah, her face is twisted and... You can see right down, down her throat. It's so really gross. Un- yeah. <laughs> I was so unnerved watching that as well. Because the high-pitched scream as well. Well, up it? until that point, she's been very quiet, unassuming, very professional. <laughs> and then she just goes batshit crazy at that scene. But it's, yeah. it's really... It's quite terrifying. I couldn't work out whether she's supposed to be possessed by the girl spirit at this point or something else because the voice that she's doing is not her voice. It's a bit different, mm. a bit raspy and whatnot. Yeah, it's a little bit exorcist. Uh, yeah, and it's saying, Vengeance! There is death and agony and torment close to you. It is an unquenchable power. It hates. It cannot be controlled. And it will kill! And she dramatically flings her arm, knocks, yeah, knocks, knocks the, the Bunsen, Bunsen burner, burner over. over. Into bottles of like chemicals, which all goes mm. up in flames. And there's Barney and, and Rollin running around like headless chickens trying to put the fire out. See, at as first, she collapses to the floor. Yeah, at first I thought she was being possessed by Francis, but by the end of that scene, I actually crossed it out because I put Ariana being possessed by Francis. Mm. I crossed Francis's name out, but by the end of it, I'm pretty sure she was possessed by something else. Something else. Well, um, Rollin. Barney gets the fire out with an extinguisher. Rolling checks on her, and she says to him when she comes round, mm. that was the spirit of the fire, but not the one we expected. It's another spirit. Yeah. 
more thunder, more lightning, more bees at the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ariana tells them that the spirit of the man who died in the fire was not Kurt. Rollin does a bit of Sherlock Holmes deductive reasoning here at this point <laughs> and decides that Kurt must still be alive. Barney's not sure they can trust this seance stuff, but Rollin's like, no, it's logic. The info about the combo lock and the message inside the box must have been extracted from Kurt under torture. Mm. So they've got him somewhere still and burned somebody else to cover their tracks. Yes. And make Martha think that he was dead. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. So they're using Martha's belief in the supernatural Mm. as leverage to get her to defect. Yeah. So now they just have to find Kurt and this whole thing will come tumbling down around the bad guy's ears. Barney remembers seeing Polyak's trunk in the storeroom when he put their luggage in there earlier on. Uh, Rollin wants to get a look at it. Barney has another question. He's wondering whether Martha's on the level. Is she faking this whole thing to defect? Uh, Rollin kind of hand waves it away. It's too elaborate. Let's go have a look at that trunk. Ariana decides to stay in the lab alone because they've got their way of investigating. She's got <laughs> hers. Mm. Yeah, and the, fact, the fact she wants to stay in that room where all that weird stuff happened was... I'd be like, <laughs> what's funny was Rollin and Barney would just look at each other and like, yeah, thank God we're getting out of it now. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and this is when they turned into Scooby and Shaggy, isn't it? <laughs> They're kind of tiptoeing down the corridor, aren't they? Yeah. Kroger watches them go, doesn't he? Yeah. From the shadows. <laughs> Rollin picks the the lock on the storeroom door. He's a dab hand at picking locks, isn't he? He is, um, yeah. Above the lock on the door, on the outside of the door, is a, a bolt, a sliding bolt which he unbolts. Mm. They go in, shut the door behind them. Uh, Rollin starts to work on picking the lock on the trunk. It's a big mm. old, like, I don't know, kind of chest-high trunk. Yeah, Pretty yeah. huge. Yep. You get a shot of the outside of the door and a hand, presumably Croker's, slides the bolt across. Mm. Yeah. Barney think, is like, was that you to Rollin? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> so he tries the door. Of course, they're shut in there. The window is too high for them to jump out of. At which point Barney's brain kicks into gear and he starts gathering up bits and pieces from around the room. Yeah. I think he was probably the, the guy that MacGyver learned from when it came to putting together I think so, stuff. yeah, because he knocks it out pretty quickly, doesn't he? He grabs, uh, it's like a, I don't know, a short length of metal bar and a reel with some copper cable on it. Mm. And he asks, um, he asks Rollin to tear the wire off of an electric heater. Is that when he says, give me a hand, Rollin? Yes. <laughs> Which he kind of like does a little pun. I was like, yeah, go on, Barney. Well um, yeah, Ariana's pacing around the lab by herself um, mm. and we get a jump scare with Polyak, who suddenly yeah. has appeared in the room. Yeah. Eyebrows bristling. <laughs> Gives her the Spanish Inquisition wire, you hear. Yeah. He talks kind of strange, doesn't he? He's got he does. kind I of an accent. Place, I, can't, I couldn't place the accent. No, or, I think it was just yeah. kind of creepy sub Vincent Price kind of yeah <laughs> kind of he did voice. have a bit of a Vincent Price vibe about him actually yeah <laughs> meanwhile in the storeroom Barney's attached the wire from the electric heater to the reel of copper cable mm. yeah put that wire into one of the electric light things mm. and he's put the metal bar through the middle of the, the coil of copper wire yeah so he's made himself an electromagnet which is actual proper science. That was quite impressive, especially the speed that he um, knocked that up as well. Obviously, um, 
Rollins' magnetism wasn't enough to no. do it himself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Barney moves the bolt on the outside of the door using the electromagnet. Yeah. Um, that's how they get out. Mm. I thought that was quite quite neat. Actually. That was quite good, actually, because was, that was a bit... That was a bit more um, traditional Mission Impossible. Yeah. That that part. That's about the only bit of this episode that is yeah. anything like Mission Impossible. S- since they've like just wandered onto another <laughs> TV series, isn't it? Really? Yeah. The Twilight Zone. That was yeah. Kind of what I kept coming back. Yeah. Yeah. They don't leave the storeroom yet. They do get a bit of folded up paper and pop it in the door frame next yes. to the bolt so that that can't be shut again. Yeah. Ariana and Poyak leave the lab. They kind of having a bit of a ra- an argument. Ariana's sort of saying to him, I only wanted to have a conversation about the supernatural. Why does that alarm you so much? But Kroger interrupts. He's like, I need a word with you. <laughs> Ariana goes to the storeroom and frightens, and frightens the life out of Barney and Rollin. They haven't found anything in the trunk. I don't know what they were expecting to find. Kurt's body or him trussed up in this big box? No, it wasn't. They didn't make it clear, did they? Because it was... Um... Yeah, they just Rollin was had, had a bee in his bonnet. There you go. <laughs> um, about just wanting to have a look in this trunk, but did we have, did we see what was in it? No, not really. Oh, okay. It's probably empty. Ariana says something a bit weird here, where she says that she had a vision while she was in the lab of Kurt in a small town nearby, and something mm. about the butchering of lambs and cattle, which Rollin kind of deduces might be the small town that they drove through on the way in. Okay. So whether this is supposed to be Ariana picking up on where Kurt is being held hostage, mm. maybe, but they don't really elaborate on They don't on really it do much more with that, no. Yeah. So Barney goes down to the living room where Paul Yak and Kroger are, just to keep them talking, so that Rollin and Ariana can sneak into the basement and have a look down there. Yep. Um, there's like a, what do you call it, like a storm hatch or something like that in, that leads into the yeah. basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Rollin opens it up and there's like, Come on, let's go. Just about to get out there, isn't he? Yeah. As he opens it up, Wilbur the dog comes in. Yeah, which made me jump. Yeah. <laughs> but Wilbur the dog is sad. He's yeah, like, he's like a puppy now, isn't he? He's like he's not the fierce beast that we yeah. saw at the beginning of the episode. He goes and hides of... away behind some boxes, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. So Ariana goes and kind of communes with him again, using I don't know. Do you think she's psychic at this point? I, I the thing was, I was still. Uh, I was still second guessing a, a lot about this episode. I still didn't know anything. I still didn't know what they were get, aiming towards with the bees. Uh, I at, at one point I thought she was in on it, mm. um, and I assumed she was like a triple agent or something. I don't know, but um, or double agent. <sighs> I wondered if um, Dan was just pranking a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's probably having a right old laugh with his fish. But, she, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I I need more time to think about whether or not I think yeah. Okay. But I, I'll, I'll decide by the end of the episode. I'm still I'm still on the fence of it at the moment. So Ariana takes a long look into the dog's sad eyes mm-hmm. and says to Rollin, "Trying to find Kurt Zabrovnik was a good idea ten minutes ago, but now Kurt Zabrovnik is dead." How does she know this? I guess because the dog seems to know. So she can commune with dogs. Yeah. All right, that's a bit weird. <laughs> the ghosts, I buy. And the dog the dogs, no. The dog knows because Kurt was his master? Well, yeah, because unless he was with Kurt at that time, the, I mean, the dog, then that whole sequence confused me quite a bit because Rollin didn't seem to know what was going on. No, he just kind of goes along with it, doesn't he, with Ariana. He's yeah, like, he doesn't she's question so, it or anything. She's yeah. convinced, so he's convinced by it. Yeah. 
But back then, up. Where, where is he though? Where's Where's Kurt then? I don't know. Off in this village. Like, is, is just the, dead. Is the dog? Is that where the dog has been running I around? No between idea. The, between the house and this village. Yeah. Yeah, they just don't explain it really. Up in the living room. Barney notices that one of the cameras has been activated and Polly acts like, oh yeah, sorry, I did it accidentally by hand. Mm. He's a bit bitchy about it. Yeah, he uh, was. <laughs> Barney pulls out like the photo that it's produced. Mm. Uh, there's a blur on it and Barney squints it and he's like, mm, it's a bee. And the camera... <laughs> Wouldn't it have been funny if it was just like a selfie or like a picture of one of their, like, their arse or something? <laughs> <laughs> the camera pushes in on Polyak's face when Barney says bee. And yeah. it means something to mm. him. Yeah. And then you get more bee buzzing in the background and more shots of bees on flowers. Yeah. Although, you know, you get a lot of... You get so much footage of bees and the buzzing and a lot of zooming in on bees and things like that. It's still nowhere near as irritating as Dan's organ. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not... I could listen to them bees all day long. They're in tune, They're in tune at least. They are, nice. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Ariana's saying to Rolling Down the Basement that there's no point going on looking for Kurt. They'll just move the body immediately, presumably meaning the KGB or whatever. She can't explain to Rolling how she knows. She just knows. Um, so as we said, Rolling kind of just goes, all right, cool. The phone rings in the hallway and Polyak answers it. It's for him. We don't hear what's said, but mm. I'm assuming this is the KGB or whatever ringing him to tell, tell him, him to get Kurt, things moving Kurt now. has died. Yeah. No more information. You need to get things going. Yeah. I can't imagine who else it would have been. It must have been them. Yeah. must have been, must have, yeah. Rollin and Ariana go uh, join up with Barney in the living room. Rollin tells Barney that they're pretty sure Kurt's dead. So if mm. the information source is gone, he loses control over Martha. He's going to do something soon. And they head upstairs where Martha and Polyak are chatting. Martha suddenly says to them, sorry, uh, she's got to leave tomorrow. She's got to complete her work. Mm. Um, the idea is that away from this haunted ass house <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she'll be able to concentrate properly do they ever um, explain what research they were doing really I don't think I don't, I don't remember hearing them talking about it no, in the briefing he just says extremely important research work okay <laughs> research into bees um, <laughs> yeah so the team kind of had an emergency meeting in their room if mm. he leaves with if she leaves with Polyak they're finished yeah Kroger, meanwhile, has gone to check the trunk in the storeroom because he knew that Barney and Rollin had been in there. Mm. Uh, so he goes inside. He's looking at the trunk, which they've opened up. It just seems to be a bunch of drawers. The door suddenly slams shut behind him and you yeah. get a shot of the, the lock and the bolt and the bolt moves across by itself. By itself. No hands or anything. Nothing yeah. shuts him in. He, he like bangs on the door. It's like, Polyak, Polyak. <laughs> The lightning flashes again and bzzz, the, bees the bees are coming. Intensify. He looks mm. up in the rafters and there's like hundreds of bees yeah. swarming around. <laughs> Just hanging around. And then you, you cut to everyone else outside, you know, in the various parts of the house as he screams. Ah! It's really hear... funny because it's, it's a static shot of the corridor and then one character comes out of a room and then a millisecond later you see Rollin come around another corner yeah. and then Barney. It was like, I really wish it was like one of them funny Scooby episodes. You know when you get a long corridor of doors and, <laughs> and they're, they're just run like across running across each door. other to different rooms. <laughs> I suppose it was the kind of to establish that none of them shut that door because none yeah. of them were near it. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, so they can hear screams and then it's the smashing of glass and another long yeah. scream which suddenly cuts off. Yeah. The bee, the buzzing of the bees dies down and it's at that point that Rollin manages to slide this bolt open, mm. gets the door, they get in there. The window that was too high for them to jump out of is smashed wide open and they look out and down on the ground is Kroger's broken body. He's gone, yeah. Barney gets down outside really quick. He's like the Usain Bolt of Iron Yeah, he, like, he runs out of the door and then it quickly cuts to the shot from out the window and he's down there already. I was like... <laughs> he's like, he's dead, Jim. <laughs> yeah. He says it really quietly, but you can hear it crystal clear because yeah. you're right up... What is that, like four stories up or something? Some, it's got to be more like, than yeah, that yeah, to kill yeah. him. Polyak's attention is drawn to a small writhing clump of bees on the broken window frame. Oh, yeah. Ad break. Yeah. <laughs> Back from the break... The team are back in their room. Um, Barney's fetched his ghost head projector out of the suitcase. <laughs> He's entertaining Ariana with it, shining it in the window. Rollins decided that their only chance now is to hold another seance. He wants Ariana to convince Martha to hold one in half an hour. That will give time for Barney to rig up his gear in the living mm. room. Yep. He wants Ariana to go into a trance and have the ghost of Kurt accused Polyak of being a murderer. The only way to break a man like this is to make him trap himself. Mm. Ariana refuses. Yeah. She, as she said before, back in the apartment, doesn't like being dishonest about the supernatural. So Barney and Rollin are on their own. She does mm. agree that she'll arrange the seance. Yeah, and then she says, she but won't fake after it. that, um, yeah. it's up to you guys to do what you need to do, basically. While Barley and Rollin set up the gear downstairs, Ariana's in with Martha, uh, tells her that she's a medium too, and she thinks that Kurt's trying to contact uh, Polyak, tries to kind of step in. He's like, no, there can't be another medium in this house, and all this kind of nonsense. But Martha, that, that confused me a little bit, because um, I thought they knew she was a medium, because that was the whole point of them being there. Yeah. So, because they, they all acted really... They didn't introduce her as a medium, they just... Martha called her Madame Domi or something, wasn't mm. it? Yeah. Yeah. But they were all really surprised. Not Rollin and Barney, but they were very the other characters were quite surprised when she announced herself as a medium. Yeah. They were like, What? Really? <laughs> like, surely that's the reason why she's there, because they wanted to document it. But think, yeah. you wouldn't get people there that wanted to just debunk it. No. I don't know. That was a bit no. strange, but Anyway, Martha's convinced that there should be another seance, much to Polyak's aggravation. So he mm. decides to go, well, I'm, I'm going to do it then. Yeah. <laughs> and they all head back downstairs to uh, sit around the table. I guess the plan at this point is... Martha needed to get changed first, though. Yes, yeah. In, I was hoping <laughs> it was into a Ghostbusters outfit, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was a, quite a nice-looking gown. Yeah, seance gown. <laughs> seance gown, yeah. So I guess at this point the idea is Barney has put his projector thing, hidden it somewhere in the room. Mm, yep. And once Polyak begins his seance act, mm. they'll project the image of Kurt's head somewhere. I'm On guessing the window, the, I assume, but... The pre-recorded voice mm. is probably Rollin doing a voice. Yeah. Going, Martha, Martha, <laughs> Martha. We're both called Martha. <laughs> I mean, that would have been a bit... That I thought that was a bit too much. Like, was this the mission all along? Though? Was the mission to go there and fake a seance to get Martha, to get the pretend ghost of Kurt to say to Martha, go back and work with the Americans? Is I that, assume so, because the they, didn't wanna, they didn't want to aim their efforts on 
old what's his name uh, Sigmund Browman like Sigmund to, <laughs> to um, <laughs> they didn't want to focus all their efforts on making him look like a liar they my understanding is that they needed to create a more believable scenario for her rather than just turning up going he's he's a fake yeah. because she Hoist, might not have yeah, believed hoist that. him by his own petard isn't it he's doing his yeah. seance act oh look there's so think, a ghost yeah I think their intention was to create a fake seance or a fake message from the grave beyond the grave however why did they hire a medium that didn't want to create a fake kind of scenario I don't know they should have hired a medium or just got cinnamon to do it yeah because they didn't realise that she was a medium until five minutes ago anyway and it wasn't as if they were like well I need to see your credentials madam <laughs> <laughs> um, like cinnamon your papers from the, the school of psychicness <laughs> yeah um, cinnamon could have done it she could have I'm just pissed off that cinnamon wasn't in it. You are. You're bitter. <laughs> I am, yes. Um, yeah, that, that there was some... I'm only realising it now, actually, the, 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 the plot holes. Yeah. But I didn't the first time I watched it. I think but... it's because it's so bananas compared to all the other yeah. episodes we've watched yeah, yeah. that you kind of don't know. I mean, I can, I, can, I, can, I can buy that. I can turn a blind eye to it. But it seems that they go to the extreme with projecting an actual image of, you know, the dead husband on a wall or something which is a bit much you know they could have she could have just done the same act as the other guy yeah they could have just started out acting each other doing these deep deep voices one one's a medium and the other one's a large <laughs> yeah so they're all gathered back around the table there's a big old roar of thunder uh, the chandelier flickers a bit and then the power cuts out completely yeah so the projector is, Poor Barney. is that useless they can't run mm. the projector. Barney and Rollin are kind of trying to talk everybody out of it at that point. They're like, <laughs> let's just wait. And Martha's like, no, the lights do this all the time in thunderstorms. It's fine. So Polyak launches into his paranormal act again. Mm. Dubois, the ghost voice, claims that the presence of these strangers annoy Kurt and that Martha <laughs> must finish her work and won't speak to her until she arrives at her destination. And then Ariana, who's been sat opposite Polyak, just smiling calmly like she does all the mm. time, suddenly just opens her mouth and a man's voice comes out of it. Yeah. This, so her lips aren't I, moving I at don't all like anything, anything like this. And that really unnerved me again. So the voice claims to be Kurt himself. And Martha is sure that it's Kurt's voice, mm. despite Polyak's protests. <laughs> Smoke suddenly starts to billow out of the fireplace. Yeah. Like really thick white smoke. Yeah, yeah. And Ronin and Barney, who seemed quite sure they knew what was going on earlier on, now really don't look sure what's going <laughs> no. on at all. No. They're kind of looking at Ariana like, what the yeah. hell? Well, when, when um, Ariana was started doing a weird open mouth but talking without moving her mouth thing, old um, Sigmund Brownman, <laughs> <laughs> he was still doing his bit. So they were kind of like trying to out possess each other yeah. for a couple of seconds yeah, and a and ghost then, off yeah and then like brown man kind of snapped out of it and he was like what what's going on what here which makes me think maybe he was possessed no i, I think i think he's definitely a fake the but question then is he would is have stopped Ariana. he would have stopped that act sooner surely when she started doing it he would have been like what are you doing <laughs> raining on my ghost parade man <laughs> <laughs> so 
the smoke only seems to affect Polyak. He starts to choke on it. A little yeah, bit. I was going to ask you about that. He's the only one that's choking. Yeah, is, it kind I, of is bubbles he the only up one that sees the smoke? The seat. They all see the smoke because oh, Barney okay. comments on it, but it's the, he's the only one it seems to affect. Mm. Um, I mean, because Barney goes over to the fireplace, yeah, doesn't he? Like yeah, the, I don't understand it. The damper's open. Or yeah. Something like so the voice of Kirk continues, I'm not angry with you. It was another man who was angry. It's a simple man who was murdered. He was a beekeeper. It was he, the beekeeper, who was angry. Bees. And <laughs> I suddenly thought to myself the second time around as I was watching this with you, beekeepers use smoke. Oh, they do. To, to calm them down. Yeah. Yeah. Because this smoke starts following him around, doesn't it? Yeah. As he's sprinted out of the room. Yeah, so Polyak kind of comes, he's really oh, choking yeah. on him, overcome by the smoke. Yeah. Uh, he staggers away from the table out into the hallway, the entranceway, mm. where... There's like another big puff of smoke from in the hallway yeah. that, that disturbs yeah. him. So he flees up the stairs to the upper levels. Mm. He tries to get in the lab, but the smoke catches up with him again. Yep. So he runs away. You see him disappear off down a side corridor, which you can't see into. There's a big mm. flash of lightning and his silhouette, he's like kind of... Ah! Yeah. yeah. And he staggers backwards out of this side corridor as a great billow of smoke comes out of him. coming out of him there as well. So he... It's kind of funneling down the corridors. Mm. He legs it to the storeroom that Kroger took his tumble from. Yeah. And as he gets into the storeroom, again, the door slams shut behind him. No one there to close it. The bolt slides across again. You get a close-up shot. The bolt moves. There's no hands No hands. Yeah, no one's done that yet. He hears the buzzing of bees. <laughs> the bees again. Looks at the broken window and they're just swarming in through the cracked glass. <laughs> yeah. And this is when the bees just swarm at his face. So it's like someone's got a, a bit of net curtain and stitched some bee-looking things onto it and yeah. someone off camera has it thrown him. it at his face. And he's like, uh. yeah. And then you get a kind of shot of him. He's across the room on the floor. You're seeing it through like the legs of a chair or a table. Mm. And what I assume is supposed to be a swarm full of bees in the room <laughs> but it's it's really some kind of bead curtain being yeah. jangled around really quickly <laughs> wiggled around the room yeah they Attack put the, the bee, beads they put the bee in beads yeah um the others have followed are outside the door they're trying to get it open rolling can't budge the bolt again mm. until the screaming from inside stops yeah and he can and they open the door and you get a close up shot of Polyak on the floor, his face. What I assume is his face, but he's just, just covered in bees. Yeah. And it's a really quick shot. It is. But it, not a nice shot. They kind of intercut it with it cuts from that to close-ups of everyone's shocked faces. Yeah. And also close-ups of I think it's like stock footage of bees like writhing, yeah. moving Over in this something. mass. Yeah. Um it's creepy. Because you're you yeah, know you know it is. it's not real. Your brain kind of fills in in the uh Yeah, definitely. Gags. The cracks. Remind me a little bit like the Candyman, the movie. I've never seen Candyman. Oh, he, um, I think he was killed by bees. And like whenever he turns up, there's bees everywhere. And it yeah. kept making me think of that. It's quite a creepy film, actually. But yeah, that, that was a, that again was a very uh, unnerving scene. Yeah. Because you can um, imagine being attacked by bees. You can kind of. I mean, one bee's enough. Being, have, you ever, have you ever been yeah. stung by a bee? That bloody hurts. I can't imagine having a mask of bees on, though. <laughs> no. The bees seem to be leaving the room, and Ronin looks outside the window, and it mm. started to rain. Yeah. So I looked this up. I was like, how many bees 
does it take to kill someone? <laughs> Not many if you're my in go- my, my girl. <laughs> <laughs> my Google search history is like that of a psychopath at this point. So I'd love to check your own Google history, you know. <laughs> so I looked up. So basically, if you are allergic to bee venom, then mm. one can be enough to kill you. Yeah. Um, but the average person who isn't allergic can tolerate 10 stings per pound of body weight. So the average adult could take more than 1,000 bee stings before it became My God, really? Fatal. Yeah, I would thousand. not like that at all. No. Um, bee stings, yeah, do contain venom, but only about 50 micrograms mm, in a sting. Right. So it's enough to kind of kill off another like insect predator that's attacking them, but... Not someone of our size sort yeah. of thing, yeah. So it's morning, and the mm. team are packing up to get in the car. Ariana's fine, no longer possessed by Kurt, if she ever was. No. Uh, Martha's going to stay at the house, she says, where Kurt is. Spooky. Mm, and yeah. we'll start sending the reports to the to the US again. As the team drive away, uh, Wilbur the dog comes to stand at Martha's side. I started to wonder, is Kurt in the dog? Oh, so is he possessed, possessed the dog? Maybe. Mm. I don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions no, about this episode. So as they drive away, Rollin asks Ariana how she knew about the beekeeper. And she says that she'd seen the bees, which we saw her spotting the bees, mm. and played a hunch. Barney says, I'll never doubt you again, out loud. <laughs> and Rollin says he doesn't know whether it was an act or whether Ariana really was channeling Kurt, which Ariana says that she will take to mean that she gave her greatest performance. <laughs> And as they drive away, the camera zooms in on some flowers as the bees buzz and the credits play. Mission accomplished. Yeah, and they do do one of them great um, 1960s palsies on the bee. Yeah, mission accomplished. I am going to make an addendum to the Impossible Mission Facebook scene. Are you? I'm going to add the ghost of a dead beekeeper to the team. <laughs> because there's the one thing yeah. that I'm actually convinced of in this mad episode is that there was the there ghost was a ghost of a dead beekeeper. In this episode. That is the only thing that explains yeah. the deaths of Kroger and of Polyak. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. There, there, there definitely was a ghost in this episode. And, and the locked doors. Yeah, the bolts. Like the locked across. doors, yeah. the smoke, the bees. Yeah. Um, we had one, maybe two fake <laughs> mediums, but yep. I think we definitely had a ghost. And yeah, I never I thought so. we'd see an actual ghost in actual in Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible, <laughs> but I'm so glad they did it. <laughs> what, a, what an amazing episode. It was, it was so I, strange. It shouldn't have worked. I don't know if, it's, if it was good or bad. It's... I can't work out whether they went into <laughs> writing it intending to do what I kind of guessed it was going to be in Mission Unguessable, which was they would like fake a haunting yeah, or something yeah. like that. Mm. I couldn't work out whether they kind of, as which they would were have writing been more... it, went, or oh, wouldn't it be fun if... Or did they have mm. like a Twilight Zone script lying around and borrowed Maybe. that yeah. and, and did it? I, yeah, but it was... Uh, good or bad, it was definitely enga- entertaining. Yeah, engaging and entertaining. Yeah, and crazy. Yeah, I, I would say it's one of my favourite episodes that I've watched so far because it was so different to anything else that they've done. It was weird that they did actually have a ghost in it. 
because it doesn't fit with. <laughs> so basically, it's in the same universe as Diagnosis Murder. Yeah, so and the Twilight Zone. So now. ghosts are canon in Diagnosis Murder. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, my head! I can't take this. I've I'll had a long, I've had a long whether, day. I'm gonna have to look into whether Diagnosis Murder ever did a ghost there's so episode. Much, yeah, there's so much I want to talk about this episode, but I, I don't know. I mean, what, a, what a strange, strange episode. I, I'm actually, I'm actually a bit speechless from it. Really, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, and I like the fact that it was massively different. But it was like Rollin and Barney had walked into another show. Yeah, Scooby Doo, like a live action. Yeah, it was a live was a action Scooby Doo. Yeah. Um, he would, he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those meddling bees. bees. <laughs> <laughs> um, but God, I, yeah, what a, a, it was. It was actually quite effectively scary in places as well with the possession scenes and, and the bit with um, uh, Ariana in the, the room with the Bunsen burner oh, when she was talking to the girl, Francis. When she then, just turns around and screams. It was so unnerving. And I said, I've used the word unnerving a lot, but that's the best way of describing it. Yeah. I Honestly, if anyone's listening to this that if you listen to this without watching, watch this episode and you'll you'll get a lot more out of this podcast, I think. Mm. Um should have said that at the beginning of this podcast, <laughs> but anyway. Oh. <laughs> I'm learning here. Um and um yeah, it was um it was it just a good episode. It was it was quite effective with the, the, the shot setups and the music was good. Um and you know, there was a lot of horror cliches in, in it. But, but why not? It didn't go against it for having them in there. No. Um, but that's all I can really say. I, re- I really enjoyed it, but for what whatever re- I can't actually tell you why. <laughs> I still don't know what Dan's plan was. Because in, the, in no. the apartment scene, there isn't no. really a, a plan. No. Such as it is. He doesn't lay out a plan. He just tells them what role they're going to play. Mm. And you're taking Ariana along with you. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, and you've got... Yeah, that is, actually. Now, thinking back to the end of the apartment scene, when the bees first buzzed, yeah, and Dan kind of looks up mm. at the sound of the bee... Do you think it was a ghost of a bee? Do you, well, do you think the beekeeper's ghost was there in the apartment at the beginning? Oh, that's a bit spooky. Maybe. Is, is Dan's apartment haunted? Maybe Dan's attuned to the other side, because he does go to seances yes. that we found out. Maybe... Yeah. Wouldn't it have been amazing if instead of getting the briefing in the doctor's office, he'd got the briefing at the seance with Ariana? <laughs> that would have been so good. She's just sat there with her mouth open and old Bob Peterson, or whatever his name was, is going, how would he have, Good evening, Dan. How would, he have, how would he have destroyed that message? <laughs> just set Ariana on fire. <laughs> it was uh, just a case of uh, oh spontaneous human combustion, rather yeah. than honest. God, yeah. Amazing. I... Yeah, I I liked it. I enjoyed it. I can't say if it was good or bad, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So kind of just you know going back to Houdini again because mm. Houdini facts are too good to pass up. So his wife Bess held her seances on Halloween for ten years. Okay. After she gave up, magicians decided to carry on, and the tradition of the Halloween Houdini seance is still followed to this day. Is it really? Yeah. 
Uh, all around the world, magicians will attempt to contact Harry Houdini unsuccessfully wow. so far. Well, as far as they're telling us. Yeah. And in 1987, <laughs> they did a live televised Houdini seance. <laughs> did they? Hosted by none other than Mr. William Shatner. <laughs> did they? Oh, my God. Please say that is available on YouTube. Yes, it is. And <laughs> even, um, Have you watched it? I've watched it a, a bit. <laughs> Unfortunately, oh, even the legendary Shat failed to summon the spirit of Harry Houdini. Oh, couldn't he? I'm, I, if, if Houdini won't even answer to Shatner, then I'm, I'm a non-believer. <laughs> <laughs> if Shatner comes a-calling, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you should just do the... Like when he calls out... <laughs> should stand there on stage someone just go yeah. Harry <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, sorry, I didn't I... know that that's quite interesting yeah. I guess that leaves us mission unguessable yeah I we haven't obviously we haven't watched this yet and the next episode is episode 12 called Fake Out hmm. it's gonna be it's not gonna be anything near as interesting <laughs> as what we've just seen is it I'm gonna my guess right now there won't be any ghosts in next week's one no Right, here we go. So, episode 12, Fake Cut. Out. Oh, Cinnamon. Cinnamon's back. Oh, oh he's grabbing her. Who was that having a fight? Cinnamon's screaming. Hands down. Cinnamon's really Cinnamon's going, going through going it. For it. Punched, this, is punched. this is a lot of cinnamon in this episode. A lot of cars. Oh, look at that. That nearly turned over, that car. Yeah. Motorbikes. Car cars. chases. Fiesta del Sol. <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, cinnamon seems to be like getting, getting sexually assaulted at one point. Yeah, yeah like, but, but she was giving it some back. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Slapped a guy's face. Slapped the off. guy the next Tuesday. <laughs> slapped his face off. Maybe it's Rollin. Maybe it's one of his fake faces. <laughs> Maybe. Um, um, <laughs> it's right. just going. Um. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so. Oh um, God. I'm gonna guess that. <laughs> that Cinnamon's really angry that her pearl necklace gets busted and in that because we saw a shot of that and the only place you can get a replacement is the Fiesta del Sol <laughs> that could be it yeah <laughs> mine's Cinnamon is so angry that she missed out on the Scooby-Doo episode of Mission Impossible <laughs> that she is slapping her way through the IMF force <laughs> oh dear she cheers herself up with a drink from the Fiesta del Sol whatever it's called um, yeah, that one, that one was fully <laughs> unguessable there. I think it is, yeah. Unless we, I don't know, ask. There's a lot of car chases in that. People from um, the Quite a few, were they police motorbikes? There's police cars, police bikes. Dan, looked, I saw Dan in oh, that yeah, one. Dan looked like he was Dan laid like he out was on the floor. Flat on the floor. Dan and Cinnamon, I didn't recognise anyone else. No, I didn't see anyone. De- Barley definitely wasn't there. Didn't see Willie. I don't think I saw Rollin. Maybe it's a Dan and Cinnamon one. Because they are out this week. Maybe they're back in next week. Yeah. Willie's just on a beach somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's an episode that's taking place at the same time as Zabronovsky's ghost or whatever he's called. Zabronovnik? What's he called? That's, that's near enough. That's near enough. <laughs> Valentin Zadovsky. Zakovsky. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Um. That was um, fun. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, and um, I think, I think perhaps what we'll do is we'll allow our friend Mr. Joseph Dunninger to have the last words on this episode, 
because um, apparently he rather famously signed off his TV shows with the same phrase every week. So we'll say goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. This message from Mr. Dunninger. For those who believe, no explanation is necessary. For those who do not believe, no explanation will suffice. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! Oh, no, my eyes! My Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please do so on Twitter at Impod, that's I-M-P-P-O-D, and let us know if we missed anything or got something wrong. Go easy on the spoilers, please. Even though this aired in the 60s, we haven't seen it yet. So until the next mission, goodbye, Agent, and good luck. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. Probably. Probably.